men to be saved, there is only one way, and that is one man like Ezekiel to step out in the midst of that valley and preach the only message God has promised to bless. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, hello, everybody. Um, welcome back to the podcast. This is Lifeguards. Uh, a podcast on biblically applied theology, um, and we are here to make disciples and nothing less. Today, we're going to be continuing our um, our little uh, what's it called? <laughs> our little group of podcasts um, series called "Is It a Sin?" Today, we're going to be talking about what the Bible has to say about drunkenness. And I know this is kind of a touchy one. It's kind of a heated topic, especially amongst. Uh, Christians our age um, in, in college and then in, in high school. So um, we're just going to be strictly looking at what the Bible says about this um, and making sure that we give an application from it um, from a biblical perspective. And um, we, Evan and I, try our best not to ride on our high horses as we're, as we're doing this. We want to make sure that um, we are just going to um, talk to you guys um, about strictly what the Bible says and how to apply it. So, um, you have anything to start off with? No. Okay. <laughs> so, um, to start off, I wanted to read to you guys um, Isaiah chapter 5. Okay, it says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe, and deprive the innocent of his right. So we're going to start off just, I'm going to talk about that. Um, it says, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in strong drink. I think this is definitely something we can all see in our, our culture. Um, people who brag, so to speak, or talk highly and they don't despise the evil that comes with drinking. Um, because... This is so touchy, and I, I want to make sure that I'm—I want to make sure that I'm clear on this, because I know for certain in high school, like I, I had a lot of friends that, um, just like, like would just talk about it, you know, and would um, talk about parties and drunkenness, and would talk very highly of the one person, the person who um, did something crazy. Uh, at the party, you know, and as Christians, we're called, we're called away from that. Like it says, like it says in that passage, it says, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men and mixing strong drink. And right before that, it says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Or verse 20, when it says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light. I mean, that's, I think that's the most clear example is saying darkness, this, this dark thing is so great, you know, and I think that's very, like, we can see that in our culture, you know, so. Yeah, I think, I think that what, 
what Isaiah is emphasizing here is not not simply that they're doing evil things, but that their moral judgment is so blinded that they're actually praising evil things. So like they're not it's they're they're not like doing the evil things in secret. It's like they're proud, you know, they're boasting in what is evil. You know, it's those who call evil good and good evil. Like it it's it's kind of getting at like perversion and twistedness of what's good and right. Um kind of along the same lines I pulled up Romans one verse um thirty-two. And this is after Paul goes through um laying out why why all humanity is under God's judgment. Um specifically the non-Jews, the Gentiles. But verse 32 says, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So we're not going to talk about the first half of the verse, um, because that would require going through the paragraph. And that's, I know that's a hard verse. Um, but what I want to emphasize is the, the latter part. Um, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So Paul, Paul is emphasizing here that humanity in our depravity, <clears throat> our judgment is twisted in such a way that those things that ought to be shamed are instead praised and lifted up. And then the things that ought to be praised and lifted up, like virginity or not drinking, those things are put down as things that make you weak and, you know, less fun and less, less cool yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And, um, the Bible is very clear on this subject. However, I want to make this, this distinction that, um, drinking itself, drinking alcohol is not necessarily a sin. Okay. What is a sin according to the Bible is drunkenness. And I, I just watched a video on this this morning. My pastor was talking about it, um, Pastor Jeff Durbin. And he, basically the argument is um, people, some people will say Jesus did not turn that water into actual alcoholic wine. But they, he changed it into grape juice because they didn't have alcohol or fermented alcohol um, in that time. Or that it was really weak alcohol or something like that. And because people are saying that that would be a sin if Jesus turned it into alcohol. Um, but the Bible talks about alcohol actually in a very good way. Um, it talks about it as a blessing from God. Um, it says it like it says that nations will have their choice of good wines if they are faithful to God, you know, um, and like these, like the, the Bible actually is very, like it says that it's a blessing. It's a good thing. But when it comes to being drunk, when it comes to being drunk, it actually says in Ephesians 5, I have this pulled out. This is another verse we want to talk about. It says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So 
like I can't I can't emphasize this enough. It says it says there, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. When we're when we're evangelizing, we hold up a sign that says drunkenness is sinfulness. But the Bible, like like we like we even like tone that like, that's toning it down a little bit from what the Bible says. You know, it says the Bible says that drunkenness is debauchery. And it, for those of you who don't know who like what debauchery is, it's it's just the worst stuff you can possibly imagine. Like mass, like orgies, drinking, sexual morality, just like a mosh pit of insanity. You know, like Evan said, it's like what Montley Crew does after their after their concerts. That's how we like should like that's how we understand it. You know. And biblically speaking, like I, I looked this up this morning, and actually just it's just talking about like giving yourself over completely to the passions of the flesh. So same things, orgies, drinking, sexual immorality, you know, that, like all those things. Just giving yourself completely over, saying, I don't care anymore. I'm going to do the worst thing I can possibly think of. You know, and like it, it says like drunkenness. Do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit. So I, I just want to emphasize that the Bible is not, it's not against alcohol and it's like, no alcohol is bad and run from alcohol. Okay. But it also is, it, it, it says, don't be drunk. And that's a key distinction. That's a really, really big piece that we want to emphasize today. Um, I think um, it's not it's not like some random like legalistic commandment like don't do that for the sake of not doing something and being holier than thou and I think if we think about the nature of drunkenness it kind of becomes clear why we ought not to as Christians um, like especially the point of like being blackout drunk, like think about what you're doing. You're you're um, inebriating yourself. Is that <laughs> I don't know. You're you're purposefully making it so that you don't act appropriately. You lose control of being a kind, gentle, patient human being. You'll be either goofy and giddy you know, to where you can't treat anything seriously and everything's a joke or you're crying and emotional or you're angry, but you're, you're not sober minded. And, and as Christians, we're supposed to be joyful, but we're not supposed to be out of our minds. You know, like what, what are you escaping when you're numbing your brain, you're numbing your ability to have an understanding of the situation and I mean, it gets so much worse when you, I mean, the more you drink, if you're literally making it so that the things you do, you're not aware of, and you won't even remember in the morning, I think that that's a, a very, a very dark thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, I don't know. I think that's, that's quite clear. Yeah. It's not just some thing that's out there, some random commandment for no reason, you know, because this is, I think this is honestly the reason why it's in first Peter chapter five, starting in verse eight, it says this, it says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Think about that. When, when, 
when we as human beings are not sober-minded, when we are not seeing the situation as it is, but our mind is numb, and we either see the situation as just some funny experience, or we see it as just just angering experience, or we like we don't see the experience as it is at all whatsoever. Like that's that is a moment where the devil is prowling around looking for someone to devour and he's going to look directly at you because you're not in your right state of mind. You're not sober minded. You know, I, I honestly think that's one of the major, major reasons why, like why that, why this is, a, I mean, number one, ultimately is because God is holy, you know, and he is going to require holiness. Um, but Ultimately, I think, practically speaking, be sober-minded because the devil is there looking for someone to devour. You know. Uh, yeah, my the notes in ESV Study Bible say it's like spiritually vigilant. So we're not saying that Peter's intent by the word sober is necessarily like, like drunkenness. Drunkenness is what he has in mind. But but think about. I mean, if you think about being sober-minded and watchful. And then you think about being drunk, like, I mean, it's a joke to, to think that, and I don't mean to mock, but it's a joke to think that you can purposefully, knowingly inebriate yourself. That is the right word, right? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we better figure that out. I'll look it up. But make yourself drunk um, and and expect to be remotely vigilant you know or watchful at all you know that's i mean it's obviously the opposite of sober-mindedness you know you're you're just it's like taking all of the armor of god and just like taking it off and just flopping on the ground and making yourself forget what's happening so you won't remember it's like do you really think you're going to be like watchful of temptation mm -hmm. you don't even know what you're doing you know yeah Exactly. Like that, that, like I, I agree with Evan. That verse isn't specifically talking about drunkenness in that, in that sense, but it, it's talking about like being on, being on your guard, you know, like be, be watchful and you can't do that when you're drunk, you know? Um, and in fact, it seems like you might get drunk specifically to make yourself unable to be watchful. Yeah. Like, yeah. But sorry, go on. Yeah. Like when, like when a guy is drunk and a girl, like, walks into the room and is looking at him all all funny you know like yeah like that like you're in that moment if you are drunk you are not going to be able to resist yeah. that temptation i mean dudes have a hard enough time when they're sober <laughs> you know i mean yeah i mean we're not like some crazy uncontrollable animal all the time but like it is definitely like our i'm just gonna say like our it's the fight of a man's life you know ultimately and like i i just we we just we do these things out of love for you guys i want you to know that we we say these things not because we just want to just because not 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 because we want to just like blab our mouth about the people that get drunk but uh first corinthians chapter 13 it says love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable, irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. 
And I think that's ultimately, you guys, like, this is, this is why this is so important. We, we don't rejoice in wrongdoing, but we rejoice in the truth of God. And that's why, we, that's why we're looking to Scripture primarily today is, like, we don't, we don't want to be here bashing people. We want to allow God's Word to reveal itself to you so that you can better understand what God has to say about drunkenness. And that's ultimately our goal. We don't, we don't, we don't want to just come across as some hateful people that are, that are holier than thou, push up our glasses while we bash on the party kids. You know, we're, we're not like that. We don't want to be like that. We just want to, we ultimately care about you guys, you know? And like, I think there, I think there is a way, um, like, uh, I think there's a way for us to drink alcohol in a way that is honestly glorifying to God. Now, you have to be careful with this, though. Okay. Like Ecclesiastes 9, it says, Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. When he says approved, he's not talking about, like, being drunk with wine. He's talking about drinking wine with a merry heart. You know, and in Ephesians 5, after it says that, it says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for every and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know that's right. That's immediately after it says drunkenness. Like like do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You know so. There is a correct way to to be like to to use alcohol to the glory of Christ, to the glory of God. You know, it's a blessing from God. But just like any anything there is on this world, any gift from God, abusing it is a sin. And that's what God is saying in his word. Like Ecclesiastes 9, it's Ecclesiastes 9 verse 7 for you guys. If you want to go look at it. Eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. You know, like, like a health, like, like in a health, like speaking way, I guess. Um, I don't know how to say that correctly. Um, in a health way. In a health way. Um, wine is actually good for you. Like physically, it's actually good for you. Like a glass a day or two, you know, it's, it's like, it's actually healthy for you. And Paul even says to Timothy, like put wine in your water so that, like your stomach doesn't get upset. <laughs> Literally says that. Like, um, I, I can't remember it's, if it's First Timothy or Second Timothy, but you can find that verse. It literally says, "Add wine to your water." You know, like that's not a commandment. Like we must do that all the time. But yeah, um, I I was gonna say, for anybody listening to this podcast, um, who who professes to be a Christian, um, but is living a life where you, you know that you may be getting drunk soon. You, you're not, you haven't turned from it. Maybe you feel guilt or maybe you don't. Um, we're saying all these things, not, not just to make you feel bad about yourself or to be guilty for no reason. Um, 
we're, we're just presenting what God's word has to say in regards to something that is really prevalent. That's a word, right? Yeah. Prevalent. Oh, right. Sorry, I'm questioning. Evan's brain is now. a little slow today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, we're just trying to bring God's word to an issue. And so I, I think that if if you're in that situation, um, I say that I say this with love, but you, you ought to examine your heart. Test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Like Paul says in I think it's first Corinthians. Um because I'm I'm worried that Christians or, or people who profess to be Christians are, are living a life characterized by drunkenness and many other sins that are unrepentant. Um, and the most important is the solution then, if that is where you are, and by God's grace you're convicted, mm-hmm. the solution is not just stop drinking as an end in itself. Yeah, Do that, stop drinking, turn from your sin, but repent and turn in faith to Christ, to Christ, and and trust that He suffered and died on the cross for the sin of drunkenness. Yeah, you know that 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 past that you have, whatever it may be, don't throw that onto yourself and bear that shame and that guilt. Okay, feel guilty about it. Feel a godly guilt that leads to repentance. And and know that if you if you don't turn in faith and repentance to Christ. You will have to bear that guilt and shame. Yeah. What we're saying is you don't need to. You don't need to. Because God has provided the perfect sacrifice in Christ. And if you turn in faith to him, all of your sins will be forgiven. You'll be saved. And that that's that's the story of Neil and I. We didn't we weren't righteous enough. We were sinful. We were no better than a single person listening to this podcast. But we, by God's grace, turn from our sin to Christ. And though we still sin, by God's grace, we, we've we been freed from a life of sin, a yeah. life that's characterized by sin, unrepentant sin. Yep, and, exactly. And our sins have been forgiven. And yeah, that's the most important thing. Yeah, and I, I want to just think about this statement. This is something that has resounded with me a little bit recently. Christ, my all in all, my only hope. That's, that is the mindset a Christian should have. Christ, my only hope, my all in all, that's all, you know, and when that, when you have that, when you have that state of mind, you know, you, you start to see, like, you start to see these sins as way less important. And you turn to Christ and you repent of your sin. You turn away from sin and turn and run to the arms of Christ who died sinner's death on your behalf that grace is not like handed out freely like it is handed out freely um but you don't just get to profess that and yet still continue to sin in sin walking in it daily and i think something that helped me with this um let me just pull it up real quick it's uh first john First John chapter two. I actually have a really funny story about this passage. I, I was a baby Christian, like just became a Christian. I was reading First John, and I read this passage, and I was so confused, and I thought I'd broken the Bible. I was like, "This is ha ha! I got you," you know. But it said, "Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So I actually went to Evan's dad's class. He's a pastor. Um, and I asked him about this. And I was like, I'm so confused. The Bible says to love, the, love your enemies, and lo but it says not to love the world. What the heck does that mean? And then he told me, the world is talking about like the ways of this world, the sin, the sinfulness of this world, like the, like whatever you can think of, like the people that say drunkenness is a good thing and say that abortion is a good thing and say that like, like so many things are good. They rejoice in wrongdoing, you know, all those things. Like that's what, that's what it's talking about. Don't take any part in that. Don't love that, but love God and love his law. And that really resonated with me when I was a young Christian, just getting over this exact sin that we're talking about today, you know? And so just consider those things, you know, deeply, deeply consider them. And um, I want to read this last passage. This is the last one that I have up on my computer to read to you guys. Um, and this is a really, 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 really hard passage to hear. Okay. And I want you guys to just before you, before I read this, just, Humble yourself and just know that this is the word of God. This is not my word. This is not what I have to say, but this is what God says. It says this, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try, or those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange, strange things and your hearts will utter perverse things. You will be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. That's Proverbs 23, uh, verses 29 through 35. And it starts with this. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? And who has redness of eyes? And then it describes it's the person who tarries long over <laughs> That one's going in the record. <laughs> those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. And then it says this about wine. It says, in the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. That's a, that's a tough thing to hear, you guys. It really is. It's a really tough thing to hear. It's a tough word from God. But think this is, this is the word of God. You know, we, we have to make sure that we're really careful about these things when it comes to to drunkenness and um, just consider them deeply, deeply consider these things and look at yourself, examine your life, you know? And I think the last thing I wanna make sure that I say here, okay, is just because I am saying that alcohol can be used to the glory of God, I'm not saying alcohol should be used to the glory of God under age. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay, that's that's very important. Like, 
alcohol is a gift from God. Okay. However, like before you're 21, that's a, that's no, that's, that's a big no, you know? And, um, I think that, um, until you are 21, seek God first, seek Christ first, you know, don't like all sin, like all sin really, um, is you just, it just gets put into the light of God. The moment that you start examining Christ and what he did on the cross, sin just becomes worthless, you know, and things of this world become worthless, even food, you know, water, strong drink, as the Bible says, <laughs> you know, so before you're, before you're 21, obey, obey that law, obey the God and seek God. Then when you're 21, like I know for me, I'm, I'm probably never going to drink alcohol just because I know that I have a past with it and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be tempted again. I, I want to just lay down that line and say, I'm not going to do that, you know, but examine your motivation ultimately, you know, and, um, don't do it before you're 21, but afterwards, like due to the glory of God, but don't get drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, don't allow yourself to get drunk. Yeah. In some ways it's kind of like a matter of conscience. Yeah. And also don't, don't drink in front of a believer who doesn't drink because of a matter of conscience. Yeah. Cause uh, I think that that would very clearly be like causing a brother to stumble. Yeah. That's yeah. just one more little bit. Yeah. So, and I, I just, I always close up with this. Um, this is basically, this is a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I, in case you guys don't know that already, I, I've said it a few times, but um, it's really interesting. Um, well, my words were real and, words. Sorry. Prevalent and inebriated both mean what we thought. Okay, his, his words were real. So, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell of our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. 